This episode of the Dig Me Out podcast was recorded the evening of Thursday, January 7th, 2016, four days prior to the passing of David Bowie. This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. So this week, Jay, it's uh, an album that we're going to be reviewing that's tying into a new release. It's one of those uh, cross-promotional type deals. Oh yeah? What do you mean tying in? Well, so we're going to do a David Bowie record. Right. And David Bowie's got a new record out. Right. He's just released his 26th studio album. Did you realize that he had 26 studio albums? Uh, I didn't know the count, but I knew he had quite a few. Yeah, so he just put out Black Star on January 8th. It's been getting really good reviews. And ironically enough, uh, Jim Copany, friend of the show, writer for the Chicagoist, you can find him on Twitter at TankBoy, he said... Uh, and I quote that Black Star is the best David Bowie album. Not the best. It is a descendant of Black Tie White Noise. And ironically enough, that's the album we're going to do this week. So it's good uh, tie-in. Okay. That there's a connection between. He feels there's a spiritual connection between these records. Huh, so okay. And and we came about to doing uh, Black Tie White Noise because. Um, we put a vote up on our Patreon uh, web, uh, our Patreon uh, subscriber message board, I guess you'd say, or 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 I don't know what you want to describe that as, but basically you put posts up for those of you who have not joined Patreon yet. We can put posts up, and uh, people can see what we're going to do in the future for episodes, and also comment on them. And we put up a little vote and had people. There's four studio albums plus he did a soundtrack. I didn't include the soundtrack. Uh, that was a mistake on my part. Uh, Ivan Russia pointed that out to me that I missed that one. So there was four studio records that I, I listed, and uh, there was a tie. So I flipped a coin, and we got Black Tie, White Noise as the album we're going to review. The tie was between this and Outside, I believe. And this is 12 songs, and Outside is 19. So uh, that coin was fortuitous. It was. Yeah. Way to go. Way to pull all that together. Right. So, Jay, briefly, what's your history with David Bowie? Are you consider yourself a, a fan? Are you a casual observer? Are, are you an obsessive geek? Well, me and David, we go back, way back. Oh, you do, I, do you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, a, I guess, a casual observer. Um, I kind of dip in and out. I like, uh, I actually like The Next Day, which is an album he put out in 2013. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a classic rock fan, so I like the Ziggy Stardust album and sure. uh, some of the 70s stuff. I'm, I'm more familiar with that. Um, obviously, he was huge in, for a period there in the 80s. So, And then I remember him in the 90s. I mean, I, I vaguely remember this record. I remember the album covers. I remember, um, uh, what's the Trent Reznor record? Earthling? Earthling? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I had the Tin Machine record, the first one. Mm-hmm. So. You know, in and out. I mean, I, I'm not a, I'm not in love with everything he does, but right. Uh, I do really appreciate uh, some of it, and you know, generally recognize him as 
a pretty brilliant artist. I'm in the same boat as you. I think if we were a little bit older, we might have a, a like a deeper appreciation or um, investment in Bowie. Uh, he yeah. was just a little bit, you know, uh, my musical and I think your musical like uh, uh, growth started to happen in the early to mid eighties. Mm. And that's not necessarily, I, I, you know, I knew him from let's dance. That was probably the first single that I knew cause it was on MTV and then sort of learned about the earlier stuff down the road but his 80s output between like tonight and never let me down in retrospect is not that strong um so that had to have been weird if your introduction was let's dance and then you went back and heard heard all the early stuff <laughs> young americans and yeah that's and ziggy stardust and yeah I, you know i didn't know like the the berlin trilogy of low and heroes and lodger and that kind of stuff until much later um so my introduction was that and then i you know knew him in the 90s obviously because he was collaborating like you said with Trent Reznor and um, he put out four studio albums plus the soundtrack so um, that's my also kind of casual appreciation for Bowie I've, I've gone back and listened to everything but I'm not I wouldn't call myself like a crazy fan or anything like that but I, I like you appreciate what he's put out over the years and um, I'm always interested in, in what he's doing because he's such a, a unique artist. But we got to get into And I don't think we need to do like a full history on David Bowie. I don't think, you know. That's a whole episode in itself. He was born in 1947 in London, in England. And uh, his real name is David Robert Jones. There you go. And he's married to uh, the, the singular named Amon. And uh, his son is Duncan Jones, who's a movie director. Hmm. And a very good one. If you haven't seen uh, the movie Moon, it's really good. So he's, I think he did the Warcraft movie that's coming out this year. So there you go. Uh, so we're talking Black Tie, White Noise. That album came out in April 93. And just to give you some facts on this, it was produced by Bowie and Niall Rogers. Hmm. Uh, it was recorded in about five different studios over a year. Um. It was released on the label Savage, which then went out of business. And it's actually hard to get a copy of this record. It hasn't been, um, it's not as, it wasn't as produced as much in terms of numbers when it came out. And I don't think it's been re released. Uh, I think there's been some like extra long versions. It might, I think there might have, yeah, the 2003 there was a re release. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, when you browse for it on iTunes, it, uh, it doesn't surface itself. The extras record surfaces itself. And then if you do a specific search, you can find it. But mm -hmm. uh, like chronologically or popularity wise, it, it's not within the first, you know, whatever, four rows of records. And I this on that strange. This was uh, co-released. Uh, this came out in 93 and 94. A, um, a CD ROM was released with this called Jump. Mm -hmm. Which was supposed to be like an interactive game, storytelling, like you're going to be able to choose a different story character, yeah. you know, each time. And it didn't work out that way, and and Bowie hates it because it didn't work the way he wanted it to. So, and then this is the last record that Mick Ronson played on. He died uh, later in the year. He was a longtime collaborator mm. with uh, with Bowie. And there are some other interesting connections that we'll talk about. So we should let's get into this record, Jay. Uh, it's 93's Black Tie, White Noise from David Bowie. 
checking it out because he's got a new record out and uh, we haven't uh, discussed Bowie a whole lot on this show. So in going back and, and listening to this record, Jay, as you and I are both casual fans, uh, tell me one thing that you liked about this record. Well, I mean, any Bowie record, I think you get pulled in by his very unique melodies, mm-hmm. um, his ability to kind of twist twist and turn you a bit with uh, with his melodies and go in unexpected directions and really take on a lot of different um, tones. I mean, in terms of not only how he sings, but just how he projects himself from being kind of dark to very poppy to romantic to jazzy to loungy to rock. You know, I mean, he's able to really morph his voice into a lot of different styles. And, you know, he does that quite a bit on this record. Um, I think there's other records he probably does it more. But, you know, it's a Bowie record. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the musicianship is 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 really good on the record. Um, so there's some really strong bass playing. And in a lot of cases, it, it, it really carries the record or it carries the songs. Mm-hmm. So those are two things that popped out to me. One of the things that I, I liked about this record, which has always frustrated me, is that he's able to incorporate like dance and house beats, but turn them into actual songs. Mm-hmm. And I, I get frustrated with that, with those styles of music, because it just becomes a big loop and there's yeah. no like song to it. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that Bowie is so good at is sort of picking the interesting aspects of different genres of music and then turning them into interesting songs, not just a five or ten minute loop around one thing. Mm. He's able to create these interpretations of what he's being influenced by and what he's hearing. And the record sounds great. I think a lot of that has to do with Nile Rodgers. I mean, it's danceable, it's funky, it, it rocks in certain parts. It's um, There's a lot of interesting turns that the record takes in reading about it some of the songs bowie wrote specifically for his wedding with aman they were instrumental Mm. pieces and then he went back and did some additional vocal work on them so like there's a song called the wedding to open the album and then there's a closing song called the wedding song Mm -hmm. and those those were from his wedding and he also there was a couple other ones And he chose some interesting covers for this record. 
some more successful than others. The, the first cover that appears is I Feel Free by Cream, uh, which is it's an interesting take on the record. It's a, a, basically, it's a funky take on that song. And then the second one, I don't know if you picked up on this, Jay, there's a cover of Morrissey's um, I Know It's Gonna Happen, which it, he cuts off the someday at the end of the, the title, but that's from the album Your Arsenal that we reviewed last year. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, the interesting thing is that Mick Ronson played on that played on that song, and what Bowie said was like basically he liked that song because Morrissey was trying to sound like Bowie. So then Bowie reinterpreted the song as sounding like Morrissey, sounding like Bowie. Yeah, that's to me the standout track on the record too. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think the the production of it is really cool. It starts off in this pan almost like a Beatles-esque kind of extreme pan. Mm-hmm. The drums off to the right and the vocal to the left. And then it kind of clicks a little bit in where the vocal shifts to the middle to like bring up the intensity. And it's just a, I don't know. It's, it, I'm not a huge fan of the overall production of this record just because, you know, it gets in the way of, of him sometimes. But right. I think that song, you know, it, it really, the, all the instrumentation there is really you know, to serve the song and it allows his vocal to really shine. It allows that guitar solo is great. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a very, you can, it doesn't really sound like the rest of the record either. At least I didn't feel like it did kind of stands out in terms of the, just the sound of it. Right. Um, yeah. I just thought it worked really, really well. I would have loved to hear more material like that on this, on this record. I didn't get I, I totally didn't pick up that I Feel Free was the same song. It sounds completely different to me. It does. Now, one of the songs that I wanted to highlight, because it's relevant, um, not just to the album, but to the time period, is uh, Black Tie, White Noise, mm. which he shares the vocal with LB Sure. Uh, okay. I was wondering who that was. Yes, it's LB Sure. Uh, he was a new Jack Swinger, Jay. He's part of the new Jack swing movement. Uh, oh, yeah, that was a thing. Yes. He had the single Night and Day. It was a billboard, or like a Hot 100 single. The song that they do, so in reading about the record, Amon and David Bowie moved to L.A. just bef- like a day before the L.A. riots happened, uh, after the Rodney King verdict when the, when the cops were... Uh, exonerated by mm-hmm. the jury and the riots happened. They had, they literally had moved her like the day before. So he, you know, there's a lot of like, uh, in that song, uh, there's some, there's some comments about, uh, what is it? Getting your, 
politics from a Benetton ad or something like that. Like there's like these shots at uh, middle class or middle upper class society, and there's a racial element to the to the lyrical content. Mm. It's a little too, I guess, I don't know. I feel like it's a little on the nose for him. Mm. I don't love that. Like to me, that's the part of the album where I'm like, this song does not work. Where like there are other tracks like, I feel like Miracle Goodnight, yeah, Miracle Goodnight, and uh, I don't know, Jump. They say I feel like those tracks work better because they're not they're not quite as focused lyrically the way that one is. I don't uh, know, how did you feel about that track? Um, I I'm I'm not a big lyricer lyric lyric person, so okay. Um, I didn't pick up on it that specifically. I I think you didn't have to know the history to even put that together, right? Yeah, I mean the to me it, that song is interesting for about half of it, and then when the it seems like the background vocal, the Albuquerque vocal starts to come in more and more, and it mm-hmm. starts to get kind of weird. It just starts to take a turn, and then you're like distracted by the other voice and i mean i guess that's maybe the point of the song uh, is to have that other voice in there but mm-hmm. i don't know it just starts to take on a different tone and, and frankly i'm david bowie worker i just want to hear david bowie like right it starts to just get a little cheesy i guess <laughs> i like the groove i like the drum groove of the song and i like there's some cool melodic shifts in there that happen mm-hmm. that are unexpected that are that are cool but uh yeah, wasn't a fan of the background vocal thing, and lyrically, I, I didn't, I didn't dig into it that deep. On the other, on the flip side, what did you think of Bowie's take on a R and B slow jam with uh, "Don't Let Me Down" and "Down"? <laughs> it sounded like uh, it started. I was like, "Oh, geez, this sounds like an album track from the Prince's New Power Generation." <laughs> um, like musically, I don't know. I was just like, "Oh my god, uh, this is so '90s R and B." It did sound very Prince. When his voice comes in, you're like, whoa. Like, it just doesn't... The music is just too... It, it, the music needs to be weirder. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's too straight up R&B. So when his voice comes in, you're like, yeah, this is not working. I did like the chorus, though. The kind of the way he shifts the the down and down and kind of plays with that. Just one of his little quirky, like I said earlier, you know, melodic twists. That's kind of cool and... and, and takes the song in this weird little left turn for a moment. then when it comes back to those verses you're like yeah i don't know i just don't quite get it um it's too it's too i think overall it, it, it's a good representation representation of not a huge nile rogers fan in that you get that very like studious almost like musicianship right um, sort of like professional new york city musicians sound like Saturday Night Live band or the you know David Letterman band kind of sound. Yeah. 
and Bowie does a pretty good job on this record, like mm, screwing that up, you know, like that's the kind of the, the tones he's that are there and the, the, the musicianship that is there, but he can take it in weird directions, which kind of makes it work. Mm-hmm. But then there's times where it doesn't go in a weird direction at all. And you're, it's just, it sounds like cheesy, I don't know, you know, kind of, R&B or jazz or there's just nothing interesting about it which is why like I know it's going to happen some days because you get the musicianship but because the song is so strong and they let his voice come across and there's just enough oddness to the way that it's produced or at least, it almost feels like 70s like production wise it, it kind of works better but mm-hmm. on the other songs where you get Especially when he gets that just a lot of horns and a lot of like keyboard sounds, you're just like Jesus. This sounds like a like a song you know you'd write on a, a keyboard you'd buy at Walmart. <laughs> like there's moments of this record, you're like oh geez, I don't know. He, <clears throat> there's a sax player on this record that just plays his ass off the whole record. That's David Bowie. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, he plays a lot of the saxophone. And okay. from what I read. Nile Rodgers was like, he doesn't really know how to play, but he knows how to play the same thing twice. So, <laughs> yeah, he's he's going for it, man. And I kind of like that because it's it's a it's one of the few things that's like off kilter. Like the saxophone is not Clarence Clemens. Mm-hmm. It adds a nice dimension that you know a little bit of you like I agree a little bit of weirdness on some of the songs where the it's such a locked in drum loop and uh, you know keyboard part that a couple times it could have used some a little bit of craziness that is missing to help the songs give a little bit more dimension. Like to me, a song like miracle good night, like it's, it's a little quirky and weird, but just the, the sounds of that rec- that song. Oof, I don't know. I mean, it just sounds like straight up, you know, Casio keyboard. Doesn't it? Like that. It does, but Maybe in 93, like, that hadn't been programmed yet into the Radio Shack keyboard that I bought. <laughs> so maybe they sampled it and stuck it in there. True. So overall rating, Jay, where would you say that you're at with this record? I don't know. I think this is a – got to be a Bowie fan to, to dig this. Um, I'm at an EP. I think there's probably three or four songs on here that, that I'd go back and, and check out again. I agree with you. I'm also at an EP. I, I probably four songs. Um, there's a lot of instrumentals. Yeah, on I was this. mention and, that. There's there's like what three or four. Yeah, and there's a lot. And there's some songs like Palace Athena. Athena is it's mostly instrumental. There's some like looped and dis- vocals which are not his, and there's some distorted vocals that are affected uh, in the background. But I found that odd. I don't. I don't. Does he? I don't remember him doing that that much before no and i think that partly that's because again these some of these songs were written as instrumentals for his wedding and then he decided to repurpose them so sure that that could be part of the reason why you're hearing things that are not necessarily um, yeah that makes sense so uh that's two eps for uh bowie's black tie white noise i i having listened to black star and and the comparison that Tank Boy made. I th- I think the Black Star is actually a stronger record. It's a weirder. It's a much weirder record. Yeah, I sampled some of it, and it's I get where he's what he's saying, but that's a real band. Yeah, like it just sounds really cool. Like it sounds like 
really real and off like you can tell they're real drums but then they kind of screw with it and make it mm-hmm. take you know in the bo- in the bowie style like it takes all these twists and turns but it's real performances with real instruments and it just works so much at least the couple songs i sampled work so much better like yeah. it, it gets dark like I think this that's what I was disappointed in this record. I was hoping it would take some legitimately dark turns and it really can never do that because Nile Rogers can't get dark. No. <laughs> you know, so No, you're right. It's always it gonna be never, danceable. Yeah, it never crosses that line and Right. I was kinda hoping it would. So if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. You can join the conversation on this episode at Facebook, Twitter and, of course, at digmeoutpodcast.com. And if you want to know what's coming up on Dig Me Out, head on over to our Patreon page. It's uh, patreon.com backslash digmeout. You get previews of upcoming episodes, bonus materials, and the opportunity to uh, do what we did on this episode, which is vote for which album we're going to review. We're going to be doing that uh, probably a couple more times this year. So uh, get in on that. Well, we'll probably do it quite often. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, now we think about it, how many times that you and I have conversations about which album we should be picking that, that happens like, I don't know, maybe once a month mm-hmm. at least. So. All right. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash dig me out or requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com.